We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Back in the business, the Anora Boys. We're getting ready to talk offense. Before we do, our guy KL says, Malik, was Skylar Diggins there at the same time that you were? Uh, Skylar, Skylar Diggins was, but she was leaving when I was coming in. But that's that's like after like Kevin Durant came to see her, Lil Wayne came to see her. Like Notre Dame's women's basketball was popping at that time. So it's crazy. That cat Lil Wayne really does pay attention to women's sports. Right? Yeah, him and Drake. I mean, Drake was remember Drake went on the SP's Wars College jersey. I mean, yeah. basketball was hot. Yeah. Was hot yeah. during those years. He so. called up, he called Miami after they got to the Elite Eight, the women's squad. He called the LSU squad after they made it to the final four yesterday. Wayne is a big time, big time fan of women's collegiate sports. What's up? I see my boy, my fellow Chicagoan, MWJR, in the building. You know, I just had to show him something. What's good with it? What's good with it? We know the best squad on Vincennes, baby. You see it. He goes to Julian, which is right down the street from Morgan Park. So I just had to tease him a little bit and mess with him. But thank you for tapping in and supporting the show as always, bro. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Offense has been at the top of the news. When you look at, and a shout out to Notre Dame media for showing highlights that will create buzz surrounding the Notre Dame offense, right? Because there are some questions with a new offensive coordinator. There are some questions, even though you feel like the quarterback position is definitely more talented, quarterback room is more talented, you feel pretty good about what Notre Dame is going to be doing moving forward offensively in the 2023 season. However, left, Jared Parker, he met with the media. And even though the questions have seemed to be solved, you still have to take the field, especially in the biggest moments against teams like Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. And we still have to wait to see if Sam Hartman can perform in the biggest of moments. And after three practices, Jared Parker talked about what he's seen from his offense and what he thinks about what he has. That finishing today, just in week one, I really like our guys. You know, no different than this place and our culture here. It's set from our head coach down. Our offensive guys, our energy, the full football team, just our energy, commitment to learning, commitment to fixing things, and just to buy into our tempo and energy to move and practice and move with urgency. Um, that's where it starts. You know, we've got a tough physical football team. Um, and just to see those guys do that again on the grass after a long break since the bowl game is refreshing. And for us, it's a long time from that window from being done and recruiting January to get to this point. And certainly with uh, the, the job change for me to be able to get on the grass and help these guys do what they love doing is, is certainly an exciting time for all of us. So it's a lot for Jared Parker to come in, take a new position, get acclimated, I fully expect, and I talked about this based upon some of the drills, I fully expect that because of the lack of numbers at the tight end position during the spring, that the wide receivers are going to get a lot of work. We've seen more efficiency in the drills. Competition and speed has always been at the forefront when these camps, whether it's fall or spring, has always been at the forefront for Marcus Freeman. Nothing has changed going into this camp. When you watch them go through drills, it is about speed knowing where you're going, getting to the next level, getting your work in, and competing. That has continued, but they've been more efficient, adding the ability to get more reps for each quarterback and also each wide receiver and each skill position player on the roster. So that's vitally important moving forward. To hear Jared Parker talk about that, you have to feel really good about what's going on surrounding the Notre Dame offense. And then – he also had an opportunity, which is pretty important in my opinion. He had an opportunity when he spoke with the media on Saturday to talk about the difficulty of the transition, the difficulty not only the transition for him, but the difficulty of the transition for the players as well. This is what Coach Parker had to say about transitioning. It's like the more the older you get, the more you learn it's not about you as much. You know, and I think being married, having kids and doing this coaching thing for a while tells you that. 
So it's really not my stamp, it's ours, and that's not cliche. It's, I really mean it. Like, I think that as you get it in and you get guys bought in and you build a staff that we built, both in our off-the-field guys and our on-the-field guys, we've got a great staff. We really do. And so my job is to just give great direction, provide leadership, and create a union that everybody feels empowered to do their jobs. So I think, if anything, I hope that would be maybe my stamp. Otherwise, I'm just a piece of it to try, try to help divide good direction, and then from there, just let these guys do their jobs and let the players do their jobs. So you're learning about communication. Okay. Oh, it's critical. I know that. I know that, right? I mean, it's it, it is, and our messaging. You know, I think the way we talk, our vocabulary within our position groups and as an offensive unit are critical. How we talk, how we communicate, so the terminology is the same across the board allows our guys to feel the unity of our staff and back to them. So communicating those thoughts, our plan, and making sure everything goes flawless and our transitions on a practice field are critical. And the first three days, that's one thing we'd be very proud of, is our transitions and our plan and guys knowing where to go has, has been pretty flawless at this point. So once again, Coach Parker reiterating how they transition in their drills and move throughout practice to let you know that the system has settled in with the players and the practices seem like they're being player driven more than coach driven because the players know exactly what to do. He also talked about the transition at the beginning of that clip, not only for him, but transitioning Joe Rudolph and also coach Gino Gadouli into the staff and how seamless it's been because he's allowed them to coach. As he said, they're both pros. I don't have to watch over them. I can allow them to coach. And I can tell you from watching the three practices, I have yet to see Jared Parker say one thing to the quarterbacks. Not one. I've seen him talk to the tight ends because he's still heavily, heavily involved with coaching the tight ends. But after running a play or running a drill, I have yet to see the offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, say one word to the quarterbacks. Now, that could be because the quarterback play has been absolutely phenomenal in comparison to what we've seen in spring practices the last two seasons leading up to the season or leading up to fall camp. This is stark contrast. Night and day. Any other comparison or phrase you want to use that represents going from good, from bad to good, up to down, I mean down to up, whatever you want to say that represents that, you can use it. That might benefit that and be one of the reasons why the transition has been so easy for those coaches. But Joe Rudolph, without question, has walked into a blessed situation as an offensive coordinator with a top-notch center and two top-notch tackles sitting in the room to lead the way. Blake Fisher has lost 17 pounds, so you know he's dedicated to his improvement as a pass blocker and as a run blocker. Joe Alt is already in line to be the number one tackle taken in the 2024 NFL Draft. And Zeke Carell is the leader of the bunch, one of the smartest guys and one of the best blockers, even at a smaller size, when it comes to getting his hands on somebody and knowing how to use leverage. He's an incredible center, and he's very smart and knows how to play the game. This is your leadership. So Joe Rudolph walked into a great situation so the transition for Joe Rudolph should be seamless, right? Because it's more of don't mess this up. Okay, just don't screw this up. All right, just host the youngsters, get them ready to play, get the second line ready to play, get them ready to roll so that if we have injuries, 
It can be seamless for them to come in, continue to dominate play at the offensive line position as a unit. That's your job. And then recruit, recruit, recruit. Gino Gadouli, look, he inherits Sam Hartman. And as we said before, if you attended, I wish you guys could have been there for the pro day. We were there to watch Avery Davis and Michael Mayer go through their field drills. Look, Sam Hartman stole the show. He flat out stole the show in front of NFL scouts. In my opinion, that was his that was his 1A pro day. And the 1B pro day will be coming up this time next year. He already had a sneak sneak peek pro day in front of NFL scouts throwing to Michael Mayer. That can only benefit him because I'm sure there were notes being taken. There were definitely notes being taken. So as we move forward, we fully expect that the offense will continue to have buzz because of the quarterbacks. Transitioning will be seamless because of the improved quarterback play. And as I said before, it is beneficial for your quarterbacks to be able to turn around and immediately have a conversation about what they saw, what they should have seen, and how they should have reacted or what they could have done differently. Coming from a coach that they know that they can go talk to consistently at any point during any day, rather than having to take time to fit in to the schedule of the offensive coordinator. It's going to benefit Notre Dame greatly moving into this season you're going to see improved play. We have seen improved play, in my opinion. I like Kenny Minchie. Loved him before he came to Notre Dame. What we saw on high school film translate or has translated to early practices. He's just a smooth operator. Pleasantly surprised with Steve Angeli. He can be better with his ball placement, but he has a cannon. He has the best arm in the room. And for my buck, he's still a freshman. He's not even a sophomore yet academically, and he's vastly improved from the young man we saw at the Blue and Gold game last year. Vastly improved, and Tyler Buckner has had a fantastic spring campaign thus far through three practices. So, But I said this Saturday night, it became apparent to me over this weekend, and things could change, but it became apparent to me that there is a slight, there is a difference in my opinion, between Sam Hartman and the rest of the quarterback room as it sits today. You know, I, I wasn't open to saying that before, but this weekend kind of opened my eyes and changed my mind just a little bit. It truly did. Now let's hear from Jared Parker once again when he talked about, let's see, he talked about his three young freshmen and where they sit at the wide receiver position and also the transition of one Chris Tyree to that same position. They're swimming, and, and to be fair, that's okay. Um, the great thing is right now they're starting to play faster, play a little faster, develop some confidence, then take a little step back, and then go again, just, just a typical progression. But they're very, very talented players. They're eager. They want to learn, and the guys have welcomed them in. So just to come in, you, we just certainly feel very good about where they're at right now, and they'll continue to grow and get better. We'll keep pressure off of them and let them grow into them. Let's follow up from you, Coach. What's your thought process? Well, what's the process like? I guess for Chris Tyree possibly joining that wide receiver room, um, probably making a transition permanently, or just kind of mixing in. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably keep it. That's a good way of putting it. 
Um, it's going to be a fun process. I'll say that. How about that? All right. So shout out to my guy, LaVon Whitaker, with the follow-up question right there. I think LaVon's going to join us sometime here on the show in the next few days to talk about Notre Dame sports at large because he follows the women's team. He follows some of the other teams on campus. We're going to have him on the show in a few days. So we'll definitely tap into the Micah Shrewsbury era right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. But going back to Jared Parker, Talking about how impressive, you know, Braylon James, I believe in one of the clips that's been put up on social media, caught a touchdown from Sam Hartman. Uh, I forgot the uh, defensive back that he beat. Of course, you see Deion Cozy, his catch on one of the feeds last week over Benjamin Morrison. It's, it's really good to see. And this is funny. I was sitting there at the pro day and Sam Hartman, I'm sitting next to B. Driss. And we're watching Sam Hartman throw to Avery Davis and Michael Mayer. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no. And B. Driss sees me doing this. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm praying. And I'm saying, please put eight in the box this year. Please put eight in the box to every team on the schedule. Please put eight in the box. I'm begging you. Please put eight in the box. That's my prayer. That's my, please, I, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Please put eight in the box. Stop this run game. Do everything you need to do to stop this run game. Because if they do that, it's going to be a lot of big plays made by Sam Hartman and these Notre Dame wide receivers. A lot of big plays. A lot of big plays. That's with forecast for the future. Please, everyone in the schedule, Put eight on, put eight in the box. Bring your safeties down. By all means, go ahead. Play Notre Dame like you normally play them. Play them like you normally play them. But digressing back to the freshman wide receivers, of course, they're swimming, right? You see them in drills, certain drills. They might forget the route or might not get the right call, things like that, small things. They're swimming. They're trying to learn the playbook, trying to learn what, what they're supposed to do. But you see the talent. You see the talent. It's there. And you just want and hope that Notre Dame, when it comes to these young wide receivers, and just the young talent that they have offensively and defensively, kind of take up what Jim Laranega teaches his team when he says train them and then trust them. You know, train the young wide receivers, and then at some point, just trust them. Just trust them. And even in trusting them, that doesn't mean that they're not going to make mistakes. But trust them that the talent is going to rise to the top and overcome any mistakes. You know, and you hope that that's what we get to see with these young wide receivers in the Notre Dame coaching staff. Lucky Lefty podcast. And then he spoke about Chris Tyree. It's a process. It's a process. But I love what I've seen from Chris Tyree in the slot, his quickness, his ability to run routes, get separation. I like it. I like it. He has a spring camp and a fall camp to become more acclimated to the offense. And I think they're going to be able to use him, especially in the, in the screen game, especially in that quick screen game to the outside. I see Chris Tyree being a formidable, 
formidable playmaker for defenses to have to stop on a week-in, week-out basis. I got Lilo Galante. We appreciate the super chat, my man. He says, go Irish, Sean and Malik. Keep up the good work. We will indeed do that, Lilo. We appreciate you, and shout out to your nephew. I saw you just post his, at, um, his accomplishments on the baseball field. Our prayers go out to him for his continued success in all of his endeavors. Absolutely. I think we have one more clip of Jared Parker that we want to get to. Yes, Jared Parker. This is interesting because this is the second time he said this. And I always am reminded when I hear him say this of uh, what the culture was previously under the former offensive coordinator. Here's Jared Parker making a point to say that he cares for his guys. Difference as far as leading the position group versus leading the offense, I guess what's been the biggest difference for you in that role? Um, I, I think probably the biggest thing is is you go, you quickly go, and I've always talked about it because you try to put yourself in different shoes the older you get. And I think the biggest piece for me is, is starting to realize that in days off, those days off, you have to start thinking about what you're going to do the next day. You can't wait on a plan. You have to be out in front of everybody because I think with good communication and a good plan, people want to know exactly what's happening next. So that's the biggest thing is thinking three days ahead, five days ahead. And then, of course, then with leadership, you have to. There has to be a very, very calculated approach to building relationships, not with just the tight ends now or saying hi to guys. You want to build a full investment across the offense, let everybody know that their relationship to me and back is very important. So I think just the investment in people goes up. I want these guys to know we love them and we care about them. We want them to do real good, but we also care about them, and I hope they feel that. And that's been the biggest change. You got to do that with 55 guys compared to 10. Well, it's the second time that he's mentioned caring about his guys and showing the guys that they care about them, and that's the culture from the coaching staff. Uh, we have heard multiple things about instances where you know, conversations have taken place between coach, players, whether it's offensively, defensively, that really wasn't a good look and the culture might not have been the most inviting, which might point to why you didn't see young players really flourish under Brian Kelly and from Brian Kelly leading into Tommy Reese. Maybe, you know, am I trying to connect dots that might not be there? Maybe, maybe Jared Parker is making zero reference to that, even though he spent short time under Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. But I will tell you this. He has referenced this for the second time, making sure that there's an atmosphere where the players feel appreciated and feel loved and supported. And I'm glad to hear that. And talking to former players from the Brian Kelly era, I'm not so sure that that was the case unless you were a top player. If you're a top player, you might have felt that love. If you weren't a top player, I'm not so sure that you felt the love that would cause you to be put in the work to improve and still push to make yourself a better player. When Tommy Reese 
maybe not that full culture, but at the same time, there were some instances, man. There were some instances, right? He's no longer here. So, I know a lot of people had a lot of issues with what Phil Jakovic had to say leading up to that Boston College game last year. Y'all know who Phil Jakovic was talking about. We can take the gloves off now. You know who he was talking about. You know. Go back and read his statement and start connecting the dots. You know exactly who Phil Jakovic was talking about. He was trying to be nice, and he wasn't really trying to throw an individual under the bus. He tried to keep a general, but he was shooting directly at, at, at one individual. So, and I think it's pretty obvious who that individual might be. You know, so that points to once again what, what is the culture when it comes to players feeling comfortable being developed at Notre Dame, specifically young players, you know, specifically at that quarterback position under the previous regime. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Lucky Lefty Podcast. So moving forward defensively, and I said this on the late night show that I did on Saturday night. I really think this defensive line is going to be better than the defensive line this past year. I stepped out on that limb on Saturday night, and I'm going to stay there, and I look forward to seeing how it plays out in the fall. And my reasoning for that is after watching the pro day, and seeing that Notre Dame on the defensive line is losing a second-round pick, two undrafted players, and that's pretty much it. And a school like Notre Dame, if you can't replace a second-round pick and two undrafted players on your defensive line or improve upon that, then there's a bigger issue at Notre Dame. And I just have enough faith based upon the talent from a recruitment standpoint that exist on that defensive line and from the veterans that are there on the interior and Howard Cross and Riley Mills and Gabriel Rubio, who came on the second half of last year, and what we've seen in weight gains and size gains and improvement in drills and movements from guys like Jason Onye, Tyson Ford. I'm just, yeah, it would have been nice to get a Braden Fisk to come to Notre Dame instead of going to Florida State. But gosh darn it, you've recruited the position. It's time for the youngsters to play. You've recruited the position. It's time to let them play. Let them show who they are, right? I'm comfortable with Jordan Botello coming off the edge. I'm comfortable with Nana Mensa Osafa being on the strong defensive side, defensive inside. I'm comfortable with John the Baptist. I'm comfortable with Javante Jean-Baptiste. Coming off the edge. I'm very comfortable. 
I'm comfortable with using Jalen Sneed coming off the edge at times when he's not a rover and blitzing, which is a strength of his and is going to be a strength of his, in my opinion. I'm comfortable with Nolan Ziegler being a big-time player in the middle at linebacker. I am. I'm comfortable with Prince Colley being a really good linebacker, 25 to 30 snaps. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with J.D. Bertrand getting 100 tackles next year. I'm comfortable with this run defense, this rush defense, being better than what it was. I asked this question Saturday night. I'll ask it again here today. Did we overrate, as a fan base, who Jason Adamiola was? Did we overrate it or overrate him? Because he has a full career of almost making plays, almost getting there for a sack, almost getting there for a tackle for loss. He's made some plays, but he has a career full of almost impact plays. And more than likely, he's going to be a seventh round to undrafted player in the NFL draft. That's what we lost. And if we can't replace that, you know, but it begs the question, though, right? Because from a leadership, not a talent standpoint so much, but from a leadership standpoint, the biggest miss or the gaping hole, in my opinion, was Kurt Heinisch and his leadership and how hard he played. And you saw that when he went undrafted to the Houston Texans and immediately made an impact at the next level. Why? Smart, plays hard, big, can hold the point. That was important. That was important. You know, so talent shouldn't be a problem based upon the recruiting of the guys they have on the roster and, you know, where they landed in recruiting rankings. They have the talent to replace what they've lost. Now they just have to go out and play. They just have to go out and play. They have to go out and play. So that's one of my early predict predictions based upon what I saw in the spring is that the defensive line is going to be much better than most people give it credit or better than most people think in the fall, especially on the interior. They're going to be much better. And then it's not on the defensive line totally whether or not the defense against the run improves. The linebacker play has to improve simultaneously. We understand that. We understand that. And I think allowing these youngsters to play is definitely going to do that. It's definitely going to do that. All right. I think that's it. Left, of course, had man, had to deal with something with the family. He texted me. An emergency came up. He had to step away. Great conversation with you guys. As always, we appreciate you. In about 30, a little bit over 30 minutes, the recruiting show with Ryan Roberts and myself over at Irish Breakdown. We'll go, we will go more in depth about all of the big time recruits and how their business went over on the recruiting show on Irish Breakdown. We took a week off last week because they did a show 
where Brian Driscoll was talking about the practices that were starting on Wednesday of last week. So we're back better than ever. I believe we have a special interview for you guys this week, and we'll talk more in depth about the big recruiting weekend. Lilo, you know what? Thank you for saying that. Jay Nosberry and Drake Bowen are going to be very good players at Notre Dame. And on top of that, this is something else I think I pointed out Saturday night that I'll lay it out for you guys here today. One of my reasonings for the linebacker play being better outside of the talent finally getting on the field and watching Max Bullock, I said this. I can't remember one time I went to a practice last year where I remember hearing James Laronitis. No, he's a great linebacker, right? No, he's knowledgeable, knowledgeable of the position, but I can never remember hearing him at practice. You go to a Notre Dame practice, one of the voices you are going to hear above all others is linebacker coach Max Bullock. GA, Max Bullock, who just came from Alabama under Nick Saban. You say, why is that important, Sean? Well, it's important because he comes with years of experience playing the position, not playing the position, because in my opinion, this is important because this goes to why a lot of great players don't necessarily become great coaches in multiple sports, right? Because when you are not extremely talented and you have to focus on read and reaction, film work, and all of the things, little things, to be able to go out there and compete at a high level, which Max Bullock was able to do at Michigan State and be very productive without being super fast, without being super big, without being super athletic, that creates a coach's mentality because coaching is teaching. And just because you know it, doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at teaching it or conveying it. And just because I can hear him and I wasn't able to really hear James Laronitis, I will say this. James Laronitis stepped out of the radio booth to coach at Notre Dame. Let me say that again. He stepped out of the sports radio booth to coach at Notre Dame. So he was learning how to coach while he was at Notre Dame, before he moved on to Ohio State. Max Bullock was a coach on the field, was a coach at heart, and has been coaching, he has the experience. And I think he's going to bring a little extra to that linebacker room in conveying what needs to be done, especially for the class of 2023. That's going to allow them to get on the field and be productive in their Notre Dame careers. So I fully expect Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury to both be very good players before that time is done at the University of Notre Dame. That's that last tidbit I want to give from the practices that we watched over the weekend. All right? Thank you guys for showing up. As I said before, recruiting show over at Irish Breakdown in just a bit. You know what time it is. Petticoat, 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 Pettico
It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Noah Whiskey, NoahWhiskey.com, at Premium American Whiskey at NoahWhiskey.com. Um, I'm going to end this, and I'm not about to jump into the ending of the Creighton and San Diego State, which is another great game in the Elite Eight, by the way. San Diego State ended up winning 57-56 to on a controversial free throw made by Trammell as a result of a controversial foul call as time expired. You know, people want to debate, don't make that call at that time in the game. You know, you haven't called calls all day. Neither team is in the bonus. Swallow your whistle. Some say, man, if it's a foul, it's a foul. You call it. This is my problem. I can't stand refs that don't blow the whistle until they see that the shot misses. That irritates me. That's the most irritating thing about that ref on that play. He didn't blow the whistle until he saw that the shot wasn't going in. That's extremely lame to me. If it's a call, you make the call, right or wrong, and you stand on it. And you take the heat, that comes from your call, right? He made the call. He has to take the heat for it. Doesn't matter what anyone says. The game is the final is the final. San Diego State is going to Houston to take part in the final four. It's tough. Shout out to Coach McDermott in the post game for taking the high road the way he handled it. You know, I agree with them. They made more plays down the stretch. We didn't. We didn't make enough plays. That's why we're going home. So tip of the cap to you, Coach McDermott, on the way you handled that. But referees, man, if I see another referee, referee, wait until a shot is missed to determine whether or not they're going to blow the whistle for a foul call, man, I might just, I might just blow my stack, bro. I just blow, I might blow my stack because I'm not here to debate whether or not it was foul and all that stuff. Yo, the contact happened before he let the ball go. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. You see the contact. Blow the whistle immediately. When you wait to see if the ball misses, now that's why I have I have a problem with that. Now that's why I have a problem. Because now you're allowing your call to be based upon the outcome. And that's not refereeing. That's not refereeing. The call is the call at the moment the contact happens. Blow the whistle. When you wait to see if the shot is short and then you want to blow your whistle, now that's a little sketchy to me. And that's not big-time referee. That's hedging your bet. And if you were going to hedge your bet, you might as well well have let the game go to overtime. If you were going to hedge your bet, swallow the whistle, let it go to overtime, and let the two teams decide who makes it to Houston, period. 
if you're going to hedge your bet. But don't hedge your bet on a big call like that. Because the whistle should have been blown. See, you don't know this, but the whistles in the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken, on foul calls, the whistles are connected to the clock of the officials. Unless they changed it. His whistle didn't go off until time had expired. The clock ran out, which lets you know that he waited to blow the whistle until he waited to see whether or not the ball went in or had a chance to go in. That's why he has to go sit on the petty train today. Not because he called the foul. I don't care about that. You call the foul, stand on it. First quarter, I mean, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter in the NBA, first half, second half in college basketball. You blow the foul. If you blow the foul, it's the foul. Stand on it. I don't care when you call it. But don't hedge your bet, man, blowing the whistle based upon the outcome of the play. That's lame. That's lame. Don't do that. Don't do that. And for that, you got to go sit on the petty train. Great show. Thanks for everybody that tuned in. Don't forget, YouTube channel. Smash the like button. We need you to smash the like button for us, right? It helps us. It helps our videos get a view. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFB Nation, and Conjunction with Irish Breakdown. All of our great content, you already know. We spend it different. For left, I'm Sean Davis. The Nora Boys will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Have a fantastic Monday. But most of all, you got to make sure that you definitely spin it different. See you guys tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.